come and minister the word of God to us tonight. Again, we've, we've had our uh, teachers class that we had a few months ago. And so each week we've been allowing the teachers to all uh, vent the gifting and the uh, word, the, the messages that God has put into their hearts. And uh, we've been blessed every single week. Haven't we? And so tonight is actually the final night of our uh, teacher's uh, sessions, amen? amen? And so tonight we have three young ladies, and so I'm going to introduce them as they come. And so tonight we're going to start out with a young lady who, here who's fairly new to the ministry. Both of these young ladies actually are fairly new. And then we have a vet that will close out. Tonight we're going to start with uh, Miss Cherie Wilkinson. Will you please give her a hand as she comes? Come on, give her a hand as she comes tonight. Good evening, family. How y'all doing Good evening, good evening. I want to first give honor to my pastors. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I ask that you open the eyes and the ears of your people, Lord. Let this word fall on good ground, Lord. I increase as you increase, Lord. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Thank you for being my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. So tonight, the title of my message is The Lukewarm Church. My key scripture is Revelations 3.20 in the New King James Version. You guys can turn to it. When you guys are there, say amen, please. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. For context purposes, we're going to go to Revelations 14, verse, I mean, chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Here goes our verse again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. All right, so now I'm going to tell you guys a little history about this passage. The church of the Laodiceans was the last and the worst of the seven Asian churches. It was the total opposite of the church of Philadelphia. 
Although Laodicea was known as a very prosperous city, an actual financial center of the region, Christ's estimation of them was that they were spiritually poor. Here in this passage, Christ is explaining how lukewarmness is the worst temper in the world. He is telling them there is no room for neutrality. Christ expects us to declare ourselves either for him or against him. Christ is imploring them to part with sin and self-sufficiency and to come to Christ with a sense of their poverty and emptiness, that they may be filled with his hidden treasure. He warns of a severe punishment when he says in verse 16, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He calls them again, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. My first principal point is the charge of God to repent. So can we go back to verse number 19 in the New King James Version? And can we read that together when you guys are ready? Ready? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. All right. I looked up the Bible uh, dictionary definition of repent. And it says to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life, to feel regret or contrition, to change one's mind. Now, I got a little story to tell y'all about my lesson on repenting. <laughs> Don't judge me. My pastor said, if I've been delivered, I can tell y'all. Okay? I think we passed the statute of limitations anyway. Okay? So, here it go. <laughs> As a child growing up with my mom and dad, we stayed in Gulfport. Nice, you know. Not too much goes on in Gulfport. Okay, so I went to Gulfport Elementary from private kindergarten to fourth grade. Fifth grade, I went to Woodlawn. A little culture shock, not too bad. A little different, you know. Sixth grade, I went to 16th Street Middle School. A lot different, right? A lot different. Before the construction, the portables, we got the surrounding areas of Bethel Heights, we got Silver Lake, okay, we got Campbell's Park, on the other side we got Bartlett and Little Harbordale people, okay, so Little Harbordale people, right? So at least to say, Gulfport, I was super soft, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. I, I mean, I was with Susie, Jen. Karen, I ain't need to be, you know, I ain't need all of that when I got to 16th Street. Oh, I had to have it. Oh, yeah. Now, my neighborhood changed, and the culture shock happened. I stayed with my mom, them, like I said, in Gulfport. My, mom, my grandmother, though, she stayed on 11th Avenue and 10th Street, just, just six blocks up from what passed them. Say, you know, you know what that means. Okay. I remember one day being in the house with my grandma, pow, pow, pow. I said, oh, grandma, is that fireworks? She said, no, baby, they shooting. I said, oh, what we supposed to do? She said, nothing. Nothing? We just stay here? We don't do nothing? No. Okay. Next day, I hear my grandma on the phone with her sister saying, they tried to break in the house while I was in here. Why you was in here? And what you did? Nothing. Just added some burglar balls and some modos. That's it? That's all we do? Okay. Let's go. My uh, first initiation in 16th Street. I had this uh, tall black guy. His name was Qaddafi. 
and he got mad about whatever. I don't know if it's because I didn't like him or what, but he called me a bad word. Y'all know what word that is. I told you my rap game was not good. I once signed at a major record label, so I couldn't go back and forth with him. It was fight or flight, and he had to get beat up that day. I told you I'm past the statute of limitation. Okay, so the principal called my dad. My dad came and got me. No punishment. If anything, we probably went out to eat and call it a day. We'll take those three days, my dad said. Okay, though, that's all right in 16th Street, but when you come to being an adult and you're in an adult relationship, that don't work like that. But past the statute of limitations, guys. Reminder, disclaimer, right? You could probably get one or two sentences out if I love you, right? But then after that, it's on and popping, right? Okay, guess what? I called my dad again, and guess what my dad said? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. That person, they called their parents. Their parents want to call the police. Uh-oh. Now it goes consequences, right? Okay, so you got to think about it. All right, I'm like, okay, Lord, please forgive me. I repent. I thought repenting was just saying, please forgive me. I ain't know that I wasn't supposed to keep doing the same thing. I just kept doing it. So one day the Lord was like, come here, 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 come here. Come here. Let, 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 me, let me talk to you for a minute, baby. That's not how you truly repent. You actually have to have a change. There has to be a switch. So the next time conflict came about, I called my dad before, before it happened. So that's just my little lesson on repentance. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 3, 8 in the Passion, and let's see what God says about repentance. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. Plain and simple, right? They don't get no better than that. Let's also go to that same verse in the ICB, please. International Children's Bible. You must do things that show that you have really changed your hearts and lives. To repent is not just to ask for forgiveness of sins, but to have a shift or transformation in your inner man. Let's check Luke chapter 3, verse 8 in the Passion. And it reads, then turn away from your sins. Turn to God and let your changed life be proof. Don't think for a moment that it's enough to simply be favored, the favored descendants of Abraham. That's not enough to save you. I'm telling you, God can make more sons of Abraham out of stones if he chooses to. Sheesh. Right? Let's go to that same verse in the International Children's Bible. You must do the things that will show that you really have changed your hearts. Do not say, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God can make children for Abraham from these rocks here. My second principal point is the punishment of non-repentance. The Bible definition that I got for non-repentance gave me a word, impenitent. 
one who does not repent, a hardened sinner. Ooh-wee. Can we go back to verse number 16 and read that together, guys, in the New King James Version? So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Yikes, right? Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 in the ICB. So remember, where you were before you fell, change your hearts and do what you do at first. If you do not change, I will come to you. I will take away your lampstand from its place. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 27 in the International Children's Bible. Say amen when you're there, please. If we decide to go on sinning after we have learned the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. There is nothing but fear in waiting for the judgment and the angry fire that will destroy all those who live against God. Let's go to those same verses in the Amplified Classic. For if we go on deliberately and willingly sinning after once acquiring the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice left to atone for our sins, no further offering to which to look forward. There is nothing left for us than but a kind of awful and fearful prospect and expectation of divine judgment and fury, of burning wrath and indignation, which will consume those who put themselves in opposition to God. Harsh, right? All right, let's next go to 2 Peter 2, verse 4 in the Amplified Classic. Again, we're talking about the punishment of non-repentance. For God did not even spare angels that sin, but cast them into hell, delivering them to be kept in their pits of gloom to the judgment and their doom. Let's go to that same verse in the Passion Translation. Now don't forget, God had no pity for angels. When they sinned, but threw them into the lowest, darkest dungeon of gloom and lock them in chains where they are firmly held unto the judgment of torment. Who wants to be tormented? Willingly at that. All right, that takes me to my third principal point, the reward of repentance and reconciling with the Father. The reward. There is a reward, guys. Let's go back to verses 20 through 21 in the New King James. Say amen when you're there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Amen. amen. Let's go to Colossians 3.24 in the Amplified Classic. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually service, serving is the Lord Christ Jesus. 
the Messiah. Let's also look at that verse in the Passion Translation. For we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the Anointed One. Let's go over to Romans 6.23 in the Passion Translation. When you're there, say amen. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is eternal, found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Let's also go to that same verse in the NLT. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's go over to Proverbs 8.21 in the Passion Translation. Again, we're on our third principal point, the reward of repentance and reconciling with the Father. Those who love me gain great wealth and a glorious inheritance, and I will fill their lives with treasures. Thank God. Let's look at that same verse in the International Children's Bible. I give wealth to those who love me. Who wants wealth? I know I do. I fill them with treasures. And in my closing, Christ wants us to drop our vain and false opinions we have of ourselves. Part with sin and self-sufficiency and come to Christ with a sense of your poverty and emptiness that we may be filled with his hidden treasure. Something indeed must be parted with, but it is nothing of valuable consideration. It is only to make room for receiving the true riches of Christ. The promise made to the overcoming believer, it is implied here, though this church seemed to be wholly overrun and overcome with lukewarmness and self-confidence, yet it was possible that by the reproofs and counsel of Christ, that they might be inspired with fresh zeal and vigor and might come off conquerors in their spiritual warfare. That if they did so, all former faults should be forgiven, and they should have a great reward. And what is that reward, you ask? They shall sit down with Christ on the throne, as he also overcame and sat down with his father on the throne. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand for that tonight. Give God a big hand for that tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, repent, 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 repent. Tell him you can't just keep on sinning. Come on, tell him. Look him in the eyeball. Say you can't just keep on sinning. You keep on sinning, you're going to hell. Don't be deceived. Jesus Christ died to give us power over sin. Don't, don't let goofy grace and hyper grace get you mixed up. Grace does not give you a license, just keep on sinning. Well, no, grace gives you the power over sin. True grace gives you the power over sin. So you, you and I just cannot just keep on sinning and think God's just going to look at it. The Bible says at one time God winked at sin, but now requires all men to repent. He requires all men to repent. Come on, give Sister Zuri another big hand tonight. While you're clapping, will you please welcome Miss Nicole Davis as she comes to bring us the word of God tonight. Come on, Miss Nicole, Miss Nicole. One of our songbirds tonight. Good evening, everybody. 
All right. So I first want to thank God for this opportunity and also Pastor Jonathan and Kimberly for the opportunity to teach tonight. Um, can we give another um, hand clap for everybody who's taught so far? You guys have been amazing. And I'll just go ahead and open in prayer. So dear Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Father, I thank you for your anointing that you would just um, anoint me to teach what you've given me to teach. Father God, I pray over the hearers, Father God, that you would anoint their ears to hear what you want them to hear. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. So my main text for tonight is Matthew 13, verses 45 through 46 in the New King James Version. And while you're turning there, I'm going to provide you with some background info before we dive into that. So here in Matthew 13, starting at verse 1. You have Jesus speaking to a great multitude by the Sea of Galilee. And so he's sitting in a boat, and he's addressing the people on the shore. And so he's starting to talk to the people in parables, and he starts with the parable of the sower. And so during this, during this time, um, his disciples basically ask him why, you know, why is he speaking to them in parables? And so in Matthew 13, 11 through, I'm sorry, yeah, Matthew 13, 11 through 13, he answers and he says to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand." So basically, he's saying through the parables, Jesus is revealing deeper spiritual truths. But only those who have been born again have been given access to the kingdom of heaven to understand the mysteries. Okay, so um, to most, it was just like he was telling stories, just telling um, stories. But um, because they did not have access to the kingdom of heaven, they didn't have the revelation that, you know, was behind it. Um, So tonight, um, because we have been given access to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, Um, We get the privilege to dive in deeper and get a deeper understanding of the parable of the pearl of great price. All right, everybody at Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Okay, so it reads again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So tonight I will be teaching on understanding the value of the kingdom of heaven. And my title is The Pearl of Great Price. All right, so when we understand the value of the kingdom of heaven, we will view it as the answer for those who are seeking truth. We will be willing to forsake all to obtain it, and we will share it with others. So my first point, point number one, is the kingdom of heaven is the answer for those seeking truth. So if we look back at Matthew 13, verse 45, I'll read it again. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And so I'm going to take a moment to break that down. So according to the Strong's Concordance, if we go to Strong's 1713, I'm looking at merchant. So um, merchant is described as a merchant, a trader, or one on a journey. And so I really want you to focus on that last part, one on a journey. All right, so the next one, um, Strong's 2212, is for seeking or in search of. So that's to seek to search for, desire, require, demand, of uncertain affinity, to seek, especially to worship or to plot. 
And then at the end of verse 45, it talks about the beautiful pearls, and that's a representation of truth. Okay, so if we were to put all of that together and just plainly state uh, verse 45, it's the kingdom of heaven is like one on a journey who was in search of or desiring truth. Okay. So we're going to go to John 14, verse 6 in the New King James Version. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then if we go to the Amplified Version, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So notice that it says that Jesus is the truth, not a truth, okay? And then, so I'm sure we all know of somebody who's, like, experimenting with, you know, different false religions, crystals, and different things um, because they're trying to seek truth. They're looking for truth and satisfaction, but we know that that is only found in Jesus. Um, and we know that ultimately anybody who's seeking truth is looking for him, whether they realize it or not. He is truth. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. In the New King James Version, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. So those who are seeking truth will find it. Okay. And, it, you know, it, it tells us there that God doesn't withhold himself from us. So the more that we seek after him, the more will be revealed to us. So I want us to go to John 3, 16 through 17 in the New King James Version, and we're actually going to read it together. All right, everybody there? All right, so it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. saved. So it tells us there that God wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth so that we can be saved. Okay? And then as we've been taught, as Pastor Jonathan have been, you know, has been teaching, that we cannot access the kingdom of God, you know, until we're born again. So if you um, go to John chapter 3, verse 3. Um, it says there, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Also, Matthew 6, 33 um, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So, you know, typically the context of that is you're dealing with provision and trusting God. Um, but it shows us here that seeking the kingdom of God um, and his righteousness, um, if we make that our main priority, everything else is taken care of. Okay? So just to review, um, point number one is the kingdom of heaven is the answer for those seeking truth. All right. So point number two, we must be willing to forsake all to obtain the kingdom of God. All right. So according to Merriam-Webster, the word forsake means to renounce or turn away from entirely. Now, if we break that down even further, the word entirely um, is first defined as to the full or entire extent or completely. And then the second definition is to the exclusion of others or solely. 
So if you think about marriage as God intends, you know, you exclude all others to be in covenant with the one that you love. So if, if we love God the way that we say we do, we have to be willing to turn away completely from anything or anyone that's going to prevent us from loving or serving him. Amen? All right, so there is no compromise in our pursuit of the kingdom of God. All right, so another word I want to look at, um, according to Merriam-Webster, is obtain. And it is to gain or attain, usually by planned action or effort. And so really pay attention to that last part. It's planned action or effort. So forsaking all, it doesn't just happen. Um, there is planned action and effort. So we have to ask ourselves, who or what will hinder me? And what do I need to do differently? Okay. Um, revisiting our main text, which is Matthew 13, 45 to 46. So I'm going to read that again. Um, it says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So that one pearl of great price in verse 46 is referring to the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So we see here in the parable that the merchant, or one on a journey, um, went and sold all that they had and bought the pearl. So for Strong's 39.56, um, looking at the word all, that, me that, is, that means all, the whole, or every kind of. So the merchant didn't withhold anything from God. or with any, He didn't withhold anything when he um, went and got the, purchased the, the pearl of great price. Okay? So it was worth everything that he had. So, again, the, the pearl of great price is a representation of the kingdom of heaven. So, um, as Pastor Jonathan had been preaching recently, um, the gospel of the kingdom referenced in Mark 1, 14 through 15, was more than just the death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? So, um, we're, we're told and we're, we're called to walk in victory, and then we're supposed to minister that to others as well. So, in order to do that, we have to turn away from the kingdoms of this world. All right, so Galatians 6, 14, in the CEV version, it says, But I will never brag about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his cross, the world is dead as far as I am concerned, and I am dead as far as the world is concerned. So here you have the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to the churches at Galatia. And he's talking about only glorifying or boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ and not the things of the flesh. So in this case, in particular, they were talking about circumcision versus non-circumcision. So, you know, there's this putting away of the things of the world in order to embrace the things of God. Um, so we're not going to go to it, but if you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 19, 16 through 22, which is um, Jesus counseling the rich young ruler. And so um, this is a well-known story, but we see here that the rich young ruler didn't understand the value of the kingdom of heaven. So he did the works and he followed the rules. You know, so he asked Jesus, you know, like, um, what do I have to do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus told him, and he's like, I did all of that, right? But um, he was not willing to part ways with his worldly possessions in order to gain eternal life. And then we see further down in the same chapter, Matthew 19, verse 29, um, it says in the New King James Version, and everyone who has left wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. 
So here Jesus is responding to Peter, who asked in verse 27, what shall we have? Right, so they, they see the exchange between, you know, Jesus and the rich young ruler, and, you know, he walks away, he doesn't want it. Um, but they're saying, what shall we have because we forsook all to follow him? And then, you know, verse 29 was the response. And so we can rest in the fact that we will be rewarded for our sacrifices. All right, so just to review, point number one was the kingdom of heaven is the answer for those seeking truth. Point number two was we must be willing to forsake all to obtain the kingdom of God. And then point number three, the kingdom of heaven must be shared with others. All right, so raise your hand if you've ever been to, you know, a new restaurant that was so good you started to tell people about it around you. Okay, so most of you, right? So you probably shared your experience, like what you ate, you know, what the service was like, how clean it was, different things like that. So this is the thing. Um, if we have, we have to have the same energy, or even more so, when it comes to sharing with others about the value of the kingdom of heaven. Um, we, can't, we can't keep it to ourselves, okay? All right, so before I close, I want to quickly provide you with three examples of, of individuals in the scriptures who shared the gospel of the kingdom of heaven with others. So the first one is Jesus. So um, you can go to Matthew 4 and then verse 17 and verse 23. And while you're going there, um, I'll just explain a little bit. But this is right after Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness and withstood the testing. So now Jesus is beginning his Galilean ministry. And so verse 17 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, From this time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and, and all kinds of disease among the people. So you see here that Jesus knows his assignment, and he's walking in it. Okay, so the second example is the Samaritan woman. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you go to John chapter 4, um, starting from verse 1, you'll get the whole story. But basically, um, after her encounter with Jesus at Jacob's well, um, she runs back to the city and tells the men to come and see Jesus. And so I'm going to read John chapter 4, starting at verse 28. It says, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then he went out of the city and came, then they went out of the city and came to him. And then if we skip down to verse 39 through 40, it says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. So she didn't keep her encounter to herself, but um, she shared it. And as a result, many Samaritans put their faith in Jesus. And so we know from there, they now are in the position to access the kingdom of heaven. All right, so the third one is Apostle Paul. And so he was radically changed after his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus, the Damascus Road um, in Acts chapter 9, okay? And so just skipping down, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 9, 19 through 20. And this is after, you know, he's blinded and now he's um, 
it said, starting, it's picking up here. But it says, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Yes, immediately after. And then a little further up in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, it says, He went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. So we, we know that Paul, Apostle Paul was used mightily, you know, over the course of his life. And he went on, you know, to contribute to most of the New Testament and the Bible. Okay, so in conclusion, when we understand the value of the kingdom of heaven, we will view it as the answer for those seeking truth. We will be willing to forsake all to obtain it, and we will share it with others. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we cannot become complacent. We must take time to ask ourselves, one, have I truly forsaken all to obtain the kingdom of heaven? And two, am I presenting the kingdom of heaven as the answer for those that I know are seeking truth? So we have a responsibility. The kingdom of heaven that we have been given access to is too good to keep to ourselves. Thank you. Come on, give God a great hand for that tonight. Hallelujah. Wasn't that awesome tonight? Praise God. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. In the kingdom of heaven, it has all the truth we need. Jesus Christ is the truth. So when you get that truth, you buy that, whatever it costs, whatever it costs, whatever it costs. We used to sing a song, I'm leaving all to follow Jesus. I'm turning from this world away. I'm stepping out upon his promise, and all I have is his today. You have to give everything up for Jesus Christ. You got to be a sellout. Seriously, you got to be a sellout. Because if you're not going to sell off of him, you're not, you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere with him. If you want to get somewhere with Jesus Christ, sell out everything. Whoever you gotta leave, sometimes you gotta leave family, gotta leave friends, gotta leave folk, you know, whatever. Whatever it takes, I'm gonna serve Jesus Christ. Amen. That was a great job tonight, and we appreciate that. While you're standing clapping, please continue standing and clapping as we receive our final speaker, our veteran, Mrs. Lamika Baker. Come on, receive her as she comes to close us out tonight. Amen. She got some props. She must going to be a prophet. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to sit these right here. Okay. My title is Disconnect to Connect. Disconnect to Connect. Does everybody have their cell phone? Okay, take them out. Take them out. Most of y'all should have them right in your hand anyway. Take, should be quick. Now, see, at home, I have this little crate. It says, be present. Crate your phone. So I need y'all to bring all your phones up here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I want you to be present, okay? Hallelujah. Mom and Dad, thank you so much. All right, let's get in it. Let's go to Hebrews 12 and 1 and the easy to read. Hebrews 12 and 1, easy to read. Hallelujah. 
We have all these great people around us as examples. Their lives tell us what faith means. So we, too, should run the race that is before us and never quit. We should remove or disconnect from our lives anything that would slow us down and the sin that so often makes us fall. Okay, disconnect to connect. In the Merriam-Webster, Bi not Bible, dictionary, disconnect. Look at what it says. To sever the connection of or between. To terminate a connection. A lack of or a break in connection, consistency, or agreement. Synonyms, break up, disassociate, divorce, separate, sever, and unyoke. Now, have you ever been disconnected from something? Or your phone has ever been disconnected? Lights been disconnected? So if your phone has ever been disconnected, what does it sound like? Let's hear what, because some of you all know what it sounds like. Let me hear it. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel this is an error, please check the number down and try again. Disconnect. It doesn't feel good. But sometimes you got to disconnect from some things. In order to connect with God, we must disconnect from everything and everyone that is not running in the same direction as God. We have to disconnect. Now, you think about the dis, the D-I-S. You got to disconnect from all distractions. Disconnect from all interruptions. Disconnect from sin. So you can evaluate in your life those people or things that you need to disconnect from. Just think about in your circle. When you want to pray, they want to play. When you want to meditate on the word, they want to frustrate you with their words. When you want to tie, they want to try to bribe. When, when you want to praise, they want to part ways. Disconnect. You get the point. So, okay, so let's think about this. There used to be a show called The Prophet. Now, let me back up. Let's go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. This should be a familiar verse because if you want to lead anybody to salvation, this is the verse. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, there was a show called The Prophet. And he was a businessman 
And what he did was he helped failing businesses become successful again. But what he said was, once I give you my check, I am 100% in charge. So Romans 10, 9, and 10, when we receive salvation, the Lord is supposed to be 100% in charge. Let's go to Luke 6, 46 through 49. When he's in charge, you give up your way, your will. It's me and you, Jesus. You're just not my Savior, but you're Lord. But why don't we make him Lord? Because there's things that you're not willing to disconnect from. So let's go to, yes, thank you, Mom. Hallelujah. In the Message Bible, it says, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir. That's right, sir. But never doing a doggone thing that I tell you. This is part of the message translation and the TLB, the Lamika Baker version. You got <laughs> these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. If you know anything about the Flintstones, you know they had all woods, I mean all stone, cement, solid. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. It was built for it tough. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb, dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped on the foundation. When a swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. He is 100% in charge. Don't be a dumb carpenter, okay? Disconnect. I remember when I was in the military for the uh, short time that I was in the military. And I had to disconnect from everything that I knew. When I got there, my whole life changed. Because the military has a different way of operating. Just like the kingdom of God has a different way of operating. So when I got there, you had two choices. You can disconnect and learn their way, or you could be dishonorably discharged. You had a choice to make. So when I first got there, oh my gosh, I knew immediately that this is not where I needed to be. So we got there, we were able to make one phone call. Basically just say, hey, mom, I made it, I love you, bye. You had no more than 30 seconds. And if you took any long, they came and disconnected the line for you. 
But I had to do some things that I never thought in my life I would ever have to do. But in order to learn their way, in order to be a soldier, you had to change the way you talk. You had to change the way you walked. You had to change the way you dressed. And those things that you were connected to, you had to disconnect from. And it was for a season, for a time. It wasn't forever. Okay. Let's talk about what disconnects us from God. Number one, sin. Let's go to Isaiah 59 and 2. And the easy to read. Well, that's big, sin. That's, that's huge. Hallelujah. Isaiah 59 and 2 in the easy to read version, it says, It is your sins that separate you from your God. He turns away from you when he sees them. Ooh, that's sin. John 14 and 30 in the Passion Translation. I won't speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this dark world is coming, but he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. Now, you think about, he says he has, no, he has nothing to use against me. You have to identify what is that thing in you that people keep connecting to. It's not a good thing. You think about relationships. Like, why do you keep attracting the same type of foolish? Because it's something in you that they're connecting to. And it's not good. Every time the devil came to Jesus, he had something to say, and it was always the word. He said, it is written. He said, shut up and come out. So you too can live a sinless life, but you have to disconnect whatever that thing is. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you so they can be uprooted. Okay. Number two. So number one was what? All right. Number two, people. We're talking about what disconnects you from God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 in the Message Bible. People, and people normally look at this scripture as, you know, the marriage scripture about not being unequally yoked, but it's deeper than that. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 in the Message. It says, hallelujah. I'm going to help y'all out, okay? Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. 
So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me. The word of the master God. You know, this, this is for our spiritual protection. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. Disconnect to connect. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 15 and 16 in the CEV. Because King Asa, he knew this principle the best. Now, depending on what version you read, it might say grandmother or mother. But it says, Asa's grandmother, Micah, had made a disgusting idol of the goddess Asherah. So he cut it down, crushed it, and burned it in Kadron Valley. Then he removed Micah from her position as queen mother. So King Asa, he wasn't that connected to a person to where he couldn't sit them down for the word's sake. Whether it was grandmother or mother, King Asa, first he cut down that mess you created and crushed it and then burned it. Because I'm going to make doggone sure it's over. Lastly, she was fired. He terminated her. Uniting ourselves to people who do not love, follow, or submit to Lord God is disobedience. We just read in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. We can't allow people who have a different lifestyle or opinion about God hold positions in our lives or in the church. What you do at home is your business, but theoretically, God should be leaving your household at home too. But in the church, he is the chief, the CEO, the HNIC, the head name in charge. Not what you're thinking, the head name in charge, okay? It's his house. His house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he should be the HNIC at your home as well. He needs holy vessels who are always of one mind, one spirit, one heart, one judgment. Hallelujah. Number three, what disconnects us from God is your flesh. Your flesh. Number three. Romans 8 and 8 in the Passion. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Now, in the military, they taught me a huge lesson about disconnecting from this flesh. Because, hey, when you at home, you get up whatever time you want to. If you ain't got no job, let me just, okay. 
But getting up at 4.30 in the morning, there was nothing about my flesh that was excited about that. Having to uh, rappel from a 50-foot wall, my flesh didn't want to do that. Not only did my, listen, in the military, you didn't get no ride where you need to go. You walked. Actually, you marched. You didn't just walk, you marched with 50 pounds of weight on your back. So now I got to walk to this place that I don't even want to go. Right. And then now I got to propel, propel from a 50-foot wall. What? And you know what? Nobody told me that this is what I was in for. I had no idea. Which further let me know that this is not where I want to be. So my flesh had to be put under subjection because I had a choice to make. You don't get to say, I'm not doing that. Well, you can say that, but there's consequences that come along with that. And so as we continue to grow in God, there's a lot of things that we have to disconnect from because he's trying to take us somewhere. And so it went from bad to worse. Because if the wall wasn't enough, when they put me in the gas chamber, I said, I wasn't saved then, okay? But I'm like, you know what? But again, they were disciplining my flesh because they knew that there could be a battle down the line that you had to be prepared for. So quitting was not an option for me at that time. Okay. When you allow your flesh to control you, it's like being with someone who doesn't even like you. Do you know that your flesh does not like you? Your flesh will let you eat 10 candy bars, a whole pie, Donuts, a steak and cheese, two of them. And you wonder when you see people on my 600-pound life because your flesh doesn't like you. It's going to let you do whatever it is that you want to do right. And you're going to look up and be like, oh, my gosh. Let's look at what a good connection looks like, okay? So number one was sin. Number two? Number three? All right. Let's go to 1 Samuel 18, 1 in the New King James Version. It says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That's a beautiful connection. Psalms 8 and 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? That's a beautiful connection. The Lord is always wanting to spend time with us and to visit with us. But 
He keeps getting a busy signal. Well, y'all still here? Okay. Uh, hallelujah. Okay. There are different levels and speeds of connection. But it comes at a cost. If you have internet or cell phone service, you can have 5G or you can have 2G. You can have high speed. I don't even know they still have dial-up, but you can get the cheapest one if you like. You can choose. You can choose what type of connection you would like. However, the best connection is going to come at a higher cost. It's going to cost you something. So let's, let's think about this. Do you want quick downloads of Revelation? Fast, low times of wisdom and understanding? You don't want any drop connections, the word not departing, and he'll bring all things back to your remembrance? Better support for multiple users on the same network, no matter who's calling. Jeremiah 33 and 3 is still the truth. He says, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. So do you want high speed or do you want dial up? Do you want 5G or 2G? Praise the Lord. Now on the flip side, let's talk about what connects us to God. We talk about what disconnects us, what connects us to God. Number one, his word. Psalms 119 and 105. 119 and 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's a lamp. You can see where you're going. Psalms 119 and verse 129. Let's go to, okay, your, Psalms 119, 129. The entrance of your words give light it gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Let's look at that in the message. 119, Psalms 119, 129 through 131. It says, every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey Break open your words. Let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. Mouth open and panting. I wanted your commands more than anything. Disconnect to connect. So his word. Number two, his presence. Psalms 16 and 11. Psalms 16 and 11, his presence. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's, not, there's nothing like his presence. Number three, praise and worship. We're talking about what connects us to God. Let's go to Psalms 150, verses 1 through 6. Psalms 150, verses 1 through 6. 
It says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him, praise him, praise him. You can read the rest of it at home, but it talks about praising him. Praise him, praise. He mentioned praise 13 times in that scripture. So that's how you connect with him. You have to praise him. Give him the praise and worship that is due to his name. So number one was his word. Number two, his presence. Number three, praise and worship. Number four, prayer. John 14, 13 through 14. Prayer is just communicating with God. Again, whoever knows the most should do the most talking. John 14 and 13 through 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Because, again, we're just communicating with him. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, it's difficult to connect with God if you're not communicating with him. And see, so many times there's so many different um, outside interferences that disconnects us from God from communicating with him. Again, we went over some of those earlier. But you have to identify in your own life what is disconnecting you from him. Okay, so when you think about this, you know, disconnect. Y'all remember these phones back in the day? You know, some of them cords were so long, I mean, you can go around the whole house with that cord. It's like any stretch to, I mean, you can, hold on, girl, hold on. <laughs> Thank you, sir. See, they don't make these anymore. You should not, you should not still have one of these in your house. <laughs> Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, they've, they've upgraded to cell phones and things like that now. But hey, if you do still have this phone in your house, praise the Lord. Can I have my cell phone, please? Okay, thank you. Okay. So we're going to look at this analogy as this is the world, the limiter. Because you only can go so far with this, this phone. Okay? We're going to use the cell phone as the kingdom of God, the unlimited. Because you can take this wherever you go. You can't take this wherever you go. But this you can take wherever you go. Because Jesus is on the inside of us. The Holy Ghost so, where's my, okay, honey, can you help me for a second, please? Thank you so much. Okay. Hold the phone. Okay. So, we use this as the world system, the world, but we have to disconnect from the world and everything that they have to offer in order to be able to connect with God 
You can't be disconnected to the world and God at the same time. You have to make a choice. And so, remember our definition about disconnect. It meant to sever, to divorce, to separate. So tonight, we're going to disconnect from the world. And we're going to do that because we're going to sever the tie with the world. Because once I sever this tie, we're done. This phone will no longer work. This world system no longer has anything in me to connect to. We have unyoked. We have divorced. We have separated. We have severed. No connection. No connection. Disconnect. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So self-evaluation. Are you connected? And who are you connected with? Is your signal strong or is it weak? You have to identify and answer that for yourself. In closing, the world is connecting with the enemy every day in an accelerated fashion to obtain demonic wisdom. They're producing exponentially. How much more should we? Be connecting with Father God, the creator of heaven and earth, who has all wisdom, all knowledge, all power, all understanding, all revelation, everything that we need that will put us over, that will set us above. This is when, when we disconnect from the world and, and connect to God, this is when the world will now come to us. They will turn to us for every answer that they need. We have the answer. So disconnect to connect. Amen. Come on, give God a big praise tonight for that word. Disconnect to connect. You got to cut off from the world system. And I'm telling you, that's, that's probably the biggest issue that most believers have as to why believers don't make the progress in the things of God that we're supposed to make. It's because of a, uh, this hookup to the world. You know, the Bible says, Paul said in the last days, said this over in to uh, Timothy, he said, in the last days, perilous times will come. Talk about men being lovers of themselves and so forth. One of the things he said was, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He said, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, think about what he's saying. He didn't say people wouldn't love God. He said, just said they love pleasure more. So it's possible for people to be walking around and, well, I love God. Yeah, but you love the pleasure more. And if you love the pleasure more, you won't repent.
you won't give up everything you have for that truth, for that kingdom, and you certainly won't sever yourself and disconnect because you love pleasure more. You love the, the entertainment. You love the sin more. You love the, the attraction more. I love God, Pastor. I know you love I believe it. I believe you love God. But Paul said, your problem is you love pleasure more. And so when you love pleasure more than you love God, you'll never step into the fullness of the things of God. Well, Pastor, didn't I hear what Sister Lamika is saying, but doesn't the Bible say that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Yes, it does say that. But you don't see flesh on that list. You don't see sin on that list, and you don't see people on that list. Those things will separate you from God. Now, he, he will still love you because God loves every sinner. God loves every God loves the pro like the pro-abortion people. He loves the transgender people. God, I don't care what kind of sin that we may think is so awful, God still loves every single person on this planet. But he is he is not able to express that love because there's no connection. Because there's no connection. And so if you and I want to bask and enjoy the benefits of God's love, we have to make that disconnect. She read 2 Corinthians 6, talks about in verse 14, don't be unequally yoked. That is not a marriage scripture. We talk about it in marriage all the time. Don't go dating some fool, some idiot, some sin, sinner. But that, marriage, that scripture is not about marriage. It's about your whole life. Your whole life. Don't keep hooking up with people who don't walk in the ways of God. He said, if you will come out from among them, be separate, said the Lord. He said, come out from among them, be separate or be severed, says the Lord. He says, I will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and you'll be my daughters. So God can't express the benefits of fatherhood until we come out from the world. So tonight we've heard some, I mean, serious messages that all ran congruently. I mean, didn't they? I mean, giving up everything. That, that pearl of great praise, price, Matthew 13, uh, 45 and 46. You go back to 40, 44, though, it talks about that the man who found that treasure in a field. And the Bible says he went and sold everything he had and bought the whole field. You see? And then we learned about the value of repentance. God said, I'd rather be hot or cold. If not, I'll spew out of my mouth. Do you know something? Do you know the environment that germs grow in? It's a lukewarm environment. You know, you go into a hospital and it's freezing cold in the hospital. You know why? Because it keeps germs from growing. Or you know why you boil water? To kill the germs. But when you're lukewarm, guess what grows? Germs. All kind of spores and all that kind of stuff grow. So God says, that's why I vomit you. I can't, you got all, you germy. You're germy. Yeah, you got the cooties. So I spew you out. You see? So God wants us to really forsake all that stuff and disconnect from all those things in the world so we can truly connect to him. And you're going to be glad you did.
You'll be glad you did. My wife and I, at the expense of family and friends and everybody, we, we cut off everything to obtain this like precious faith. Because this is worth more to us than anything this world could ever offer us. And I pray that that's, that's your uh, determination in life. Amen. Why don't you give those three ladies a big hand tonight, all three, all three of them. And let's think back to the very beginning and give every one of our speakers over the last several weeks, all the men, all the ladies who spoke, and give them a big hand tonight. Hallelujah. We appreciate them ministering the things of God. Amen. Listen, we're getting ready to be dismissed. We want to remind you that we have our uh, business workshop on this coming Saturday morning from 9 a.m.